host. Uh, we interview indie artists from around the world, and we're talking to Snow, who is an actress and musician from the Netherlands. So it's great to have you on the on the show, Snow. Right? That's Thank not- you. <laughs> Thank but- you so much for having me. Oh yeah. We, we, well, we love to talk to indie artists from around the world. We've been talking again since 2018. We started with like 3,000 listeners. Now we're up to like 22,000 worldwide. Wow. So we're part of Spotify, Anchor FM, mm-hmm. actually a part of the Spotify family. Uh, and you, being on this podcast, you get heard by 11 other podcast platforms, including Google Play and iTunes, Radio Public, Overcast, many, many more. So it's great to have great. you on the show. Uh, Thank you. It sounds amazing. So I was looking at your, your um, Spotify profile. And as I said, you're a musician and you're an actress from the Netherlands. Uh, mm-hmm. And you gave your SoundCloud link as well. So we're going to include that on this episode along with your Spotify link. Oh, that's amazing. And Sounds- yeah, and then we, we have a set of questions that we sent you and we're going to probably start going through those. So if we start with the first question that we asked all the artists and musicians we talked to, like when, when did you first get into music? Like what age? Um, So I started singing when I was around... Oh, gosh, I think that's a long time ago. I think I was seven or eight and I was just singing in class. And then everyone in class was like, oh, she has a nice voice. She should always sing like and be the lead singer of all the class songs. And then my dad brought me to this radio station somewhere and um, they wanted me to sing some like children jingles. And uh, that's basically how it all started. And I just got into dancing and then singing classes and, you know, all sorts of lessons and uh, classical singing and then musical theater. And then I started writing pop songs and that's how I got into more commercial and pop culture. So that, that early, did you start really drafting, <laughs> drafting, drafting your own music at that time or were you still like learning, like training or were you actually starting to write like your own material at that age? Mm, no, I, I actually started with um, singing a lot of covers. So I sang a lot of songs by Madonna and um, Prince and, mm-hmm. and uh, Jennifer Lopez. And and then I, I, I started to, um, to perform their songs like on stage more professionally. And then I was like, no, I should have my own songs. And then I started writing. So when you started writing um, uh, as a musician, as a vocalist, is being a vocalist your primary instrument or do you play any other musical instrument? No, yeah, that's really, singing is my primary thing. Yes, I don't play any instruments, unfortunately. Okay, so do you you work anything out like in a digital audio workstation or you work with producers? I work with producers and nowadays I have my own home studio. So it's very easy to record these days. I find um, I just record from home and then I, we just send stuff back and forth. Mm-hmm. But do you use like Ableton or anything like that to, to, to like put down your initial vocals? Um, like- I started using audacity and okay. then yes, right now I'm using Ableton. That's cool. So you are using a tool. Uh, do you use any kind of MIDI keyboard or do you just primarily focus on the vocal? Yeah, it's just the vocals. 
that's that's cool. Um, but you you write your own lyrics, or do you work with songwriters? Is uh, that, I do, like, both do you take your original like lyrics and then have them tweaked by a songwriter, or do they, are your lyrics like your lyrics? Uh, we usually have writing sessions, so I book a session with a professional song mm-hmm. write a song together 50-50, and then I oh, take that to a producer. Okay, so you have a collaboration with a professional songwriter, but the lyrical ideas yes. start with you. Yes. That's cool. So you had said your influences were like like Michael Jackson and Prince, and so like other genres that you're influenced by like reference points so other musicians like maybe musicians in the netherlands that maybe people in the west wouldn't you know in in the u.s wouldn't know about (laughs) Mm. yeah um i think most of my influences were all from the west from for some sort of reason um, popular music. I mean, I... (laughs) yeah popular (laughs) music tended like well i mean you could be influenced you know at bjork or or things like that, but I, I hear more pop influences than like uh, experimental electronic. But yeah, I mean, I I love other like UK artists as well, like Dua Lipa. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 yeah, it's mostly US and UK. That's interesting. Yeah, well, the US has been a big like uh, you know I'm a big uh, fan of like uh, you know blues and uh, jazz and their like American art forms. Uh, I'm a keyboardist mm-hmm. producer myself, so I, a big a big fan of Prince, uh, his production style, and his, his acting musicianship, as well as like Hendrix and and progressive bands like Yes and Emerson, Lincoln Palmer. If you're a synthesizer player, you kind of start with some of that progressive stuff, and then you move into mm-hmm. the new wave, and then jazz is always an influence if you're a keyboardist. Um, you tend to kind of go there, and also with classical. But um, if you were going to like um, pin down your writing style or pop or uh, genre would you say it's like pop music or some other category um it used to be pop music uh with a dance twine a, a dance sort of um touch but now it's more into my new style is really more electric r&b but it's still pop mm-hmm. it's still pop but it's more like you know the genre of khalid and the weekend yeah yeah you're, you're moving like, yeah yeah, because like you know, there was a trend of like neo soul, but it's more the like what you're saying, um, like yeah, the weekend, which is you could still say it's a little bit in neo soul, but maybe not. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So you have a home recording studio, so that's cool. You know, a lot of artists I've talked to over the last couple of years have been uh, mm-hmm. kind of outside the old studio system. I have a home studio myself. Um, mm-hmm. Do you actually? ever go to a big studio or everything's done uh, with your home studio and maybe your producer has their studio and you just use your own studios? Is that, is that how it's working? You don't actually book time at a, at a big studio or do you? You know, I barely go to big, like big time professional studios anymore. The last time was a couple of years ago, but that's because a major label invited me mm-hmm. um, to sing some choruses for this very big Dutch um rapper and he's basically the number one rapper here his name is extends mm-hmm. and for the last album i just uh, recorded a couple of songs for him and that was in a, in the big studio mm-hmm. but other than that i don't book big studios myself no yeah it's like the studio system is kind of like it's you know the only you know the big big you know charted bands might still use them 
um, you know, if they're if they're recording that, there's there's so much you can do with the home studio market and the technology is is such that you can create really decent tracks in your own home studio. So it's kind of shifted mm-hmm. the game where a lot of indie artists are controlling their uh, their their songs, which is cool. You know, if you're if you're an indie artist and you have a vision, I think it's cool to control know what your vision is to a certain degree and how you choose to to record your material Uh, right so do you find that that's really freeing that that allows you a lot of creative you know capability to be able to do that oh yes yeah for sure i i think it's so much easier to record now than let's say 10 years ago it's so much easier and it's also social media it makes it so much more um subtle and just uh, it doesn't make you lazy, but it's just it's just um, less difficult. You don't have to go places. You can. Mm-hmm. It's it's easy to adapt in your daily schedule. Yeah, because I find that because I'm a you know I have all my I'm a big proponent of like uh, hardware sense, so I have like modes and Rollins and stuff, and I just you know I can just wake up and go in my studio, and if I have an idea, mm-hmm. I don't have to go to the record plant. I don't have to go to Olympia. I don't have to go to a, like a sound city to to you know but I, have, I mean i invested in my own equipment and so the one thing is like if you're a keyboardist like well i don't have a jupiter 8 or i don't have like a, a waldorf or i don't have a steinway so like if i needed to do something like that then i would have to go to somebody that has it um yeah but but a lot of times you can get good samples you can get you know through midi keyboards and stuff you can still get to that sound in your own home studio yeah. and so Technically, yeah, well, it's not a Steinway, but you can get kind of close. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so like if you can, then people don't really see the difference unless they're real, you know, high five fidelity person or like they can't tell. Um, yeah, you can do a lot. And I think that's really like evening the playing field where you do. Mm-hmm. I think the record companies used to have a gate, you know, and you couldn't get to a high quality mixing council. You couldn't get something on the radio, you know exactly and now you, yeah. can, you can use ableton or you can use i use hardware recorders and you know i'm I'm on a signed label and everything i produce they haven't told me why it doesn't have the quality i've been able to get it through it and they're like it's yeah they, they accept it so yeah it just it's a totally different world than when i was like 18 you, you had yeah. to go to a studio you had to find somebody's little indie studio if you want to put anything down you couldn't you couldn't put it out you couldn't get it out there um, yeah, that's so true. But it's all about experimenting, I think. Because yeah. in the beginning, when I when I was uh, when I was just starting out my own home studio, and I was totally lost, and everything that I was doing, like the mixing, it, it sounded horrible. And I just thought, how do they do it? And I thought it was the program, and it wasn't that good. But then now I do know how to mix better. Mm-hmm. But like a question for you, like, do you do you master the songs elsewhere by a professional engineer? Well, or do I, you well, do that? See, I actually have um, mixing councils and I have like hardware recorders. So I mm-hmm. use like Yamaha and Roland mixers along with like uh, a Japanese hardware recorder called a Zoom R24. It actually does an initial master after I put okay. the tracks down. So I can do everything tracked in my home studio and I can do an initial master. Then I use some other tools, online tools, to do like, I'm kind of crazy. I'll do like two, three masters myself. And then I have a recording contract with my record label, Bentley, and they'll engineer what I send them. But usually, like, if they don't like what I do, they'll tell me. But most of the time, I, I can get a good enough 
initial master to them that they don't have any issues with it. They just make it cleaner. Um, and so, yeah, I'm able to produce pretty good material with, with a lot of the hardware that I've invested in over the years. I'm kind of show my age. I'm in my fifties. I got my first record label contract last year. It took me that long. Oh. So, I mean, but I just kept on playing since I was 17. Um, you know, I have to, no, that's really good. You never gave up. You know, that's you know, really that's good. What I tell people, the young folks is like, oh, you know, if I'm not kicking in a year, I'm going to give up. So I don't know if that's a good idea. Like, if you love doing what you do, just keep on doing it and you find other ways to do things like this. I found, they found me on my SoundCloud uh, and then they gave me this podcast and I get, I get compensation through this podcast. Um, so mm -hmm. I, yeah, as a musician, sometimes you have to find other things uh, to help you know, keep you going. And I found this and I found other things um, that I can do uh, as, as a, like electronic musician, the stuff you can do for film and TV and movies and stuff. So you don't necessarily have to be a big name to actually do okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And like, what kind of hardware, what do you mean by a hardware recorder? Like, can I look that up? Yeah, I have what is called a, a Zoom R24. It's a, it's a, it's a Japanese uh, 24 track mm -hmm. digital recorder and if you go to mm -hmm. any kind of music site like a Sweetwater or ZZ Sounds or in a guitar center like online you can find them I've been using them because I started recording on Tascam tape recorders back in the 80s showing my age I actually had Tascam analog tape recorders and then I switched mm -hmm. to Zoom I started with a Zoom 16-track recorder a couple of years ago, and then I moved to a 24-track. And it basically lets you do what you do on a DAW without a computer. What I like about it, because it doesn't have a computer, it doesn't crash. And, and mm -hmm. you can bring it to a show and use it like a sequencer. And it's dead reliable. It doesn't have any kind of computer. It doesn't have to connect to a computer. So it allows you to record all your tracks to this hardware thing, and it puts them to SD cards. And then when you take the SD card, you can load it and it makes like 24 bit, 48 megahertz wave files that then you can mm -hmm. modify in a DAW or send it to a mastering company and they can master it because it's at a wave file level. So it's pretty good audio. It's not compressed. It's not an MP3. So it, it, it and it's tracked and it actually separates the tracks just like you would have clips on Ableton or it separates them into individual tracks so up to 24 you can even split them and make up to 48 and so you can do mm -hmm. a lot of control over your mix before it ever goes to anybody and it lets you even That's master really it. you can master it you can make multiple variations of masters and it keeps everything so mm -hmm. yeah so I, I've been recording like that for years and I just I use analog sense because I use like modes um, mm -hmm. analog synths are I don't like to capture them with computer DAWs because sometimes they, they compress the analog signal when they render and my zoom doesn't compress the analog signal because I use a lot of analog synths I don't like getting my analog signal compressed so I like to keep it wide open as, as much as I can so that's one of the right. reasons I do it that way if you, if you don't mm -hmm. use analog equipment you may not you know, want to use something like what I'm using, but because I use a lot of analog equipment, it works good for me. Okay, that's really good to know. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, so you've been playing live shows, or have you have you done live shows? You've talked about you performed like when you were younger. Have you done live shows lately with your new material? Yes. Um, 
Yeah, well, my newest news material, no, not yet, actually. Uh, and I want to um, I wanna wait for that until everything is out online or right before it's out online. But um, before you did this, the new material on Spotify, you did some live performances? Oh, yes, yeah. I've performed uh, a lot live. Um, yeah, I've performed. I actually performed at the Bitter End in New York. Um, oh, that's awesome. The club. Yeah. yeah, that was really awesome. And um, that's, a, that's a while back. And um, recently I've played in London. Um, yeah, I'd like all sorts of places, but usually singer-songwriter places, like uh, the more intimate and quiet. Yeah, smaller and... clubs, like, you know, cafe. Yes. Like, like I want, yes. Well, we would say, like, in the U.S., like, Cafe Wa or, you know, or, like, uh, uh, some, of the, some of the clubs in L.A., like the Whiskey A Go-Go. Those aren't super big, but they're very mm-hmm. great for, for performing. <laughs> Or in New York City, like the famous CBGBs is a big one for like all, you know, for kind of alternative music. And the talking Heads used to play there. A lot of punk bands played there, like the Ramones and stuff. But it, it gives you, it's a good feel. It's very intimate. And some of the New York, I've, yeah. I've played in a bunch of New York clubs. I live in like New Hampshire, that's in the northeast of the U.S., but it's close to New York and Boston. I tend to play in Boston mm-hmm. and New York City uh, when I do play. That's London. cool. Yeah, I, I love, I don't really play clubs that are bigger than 500 people usually under 500 just because i like that kind of scene that's where that's where the level i like to play at and i just like you know the audience interaction at that level was really good um and do you play in those jazz clubs just like from the movies you know smoky <laughs> well I, I play in in places that you know they're not exactly they're kind of like old rock and roll um, clubs that have been converted to like allow electronic bands and DJs and hip hop artists. So they like multiple genres will play in them. And, and they have mm-hmm. stages with like fog machines and light shows back to kind of show like when the heavy metal bands used to go through. <laughs> yeah. So like, so, so they kind of have a stage that was like big in the 80s when the big heavy metal bands like Rat and Poison and stuff used to come through. Um, but, you know, you can take advantage of that. And so it's yeah. And I I take advantage of that because I have stagecraft. I wear like an LED costume because I'm a ghost, but I'm like a phantom. I like to go, so I have like a phantom mask. <laughs> That's an LED mask, <laughs> and I got LED shoes and LED gloves. You can't like my stick, but you know you have to have some kind of stagecraft when you're in electronic music, like a dead mouse yeah. type of thing. But um, yeah, people are into that. <laughs> um the music is the primary thing but you do it in order to get people to recognize okay what's the ghost you know and then well yeah i'm a phantom so that's what it is but <laughs> um yeah i mean i love playing any kind of club i can get into so i you know i, I have played smaller <laughs> like jazz like bars and stuff too but um mm-hmm. so and yeah are you like um, nervous before you go on stage? I'm, I always wonder, like uh, other artists. Like sometimes I, I am, and sometimes I'm really like sometimes it's a lot, and sometimes it's just a little bit. I just wonder about you. Well, the, when I was younger, I was nervous, but I kind of like because I have like such great in- instruments, like Moogs and stuff. And then my my like, kind of one thing about being an electronic musician, being like a dead mouse, and having like a stagecraft, I have a mask. Right. I have all this kind of stagecraft that kind of covers me up. Right. It kind of like you can't really see who I am. Uh, you can't see my true <laughs> identity. So that kind of gives me like a little layer of protection psychically. <laughs> um, and, and, and then also the fact that I have 
like a big stack of synthesizers. And I kind of mm-hmm. either I go with come with a guitarist or a drum player, but sometimes I'll do a one man show. And because of my my gear make, gives me a lot of confidence because I don't know if you ever heard like a Moog or a powerful Roland, like a Jupiter 8. Yeah, Moog. I have. Yeah, when you hear those kind of synths and they come out of big Marshall amps, you feel mm-hmm. like you can really kick kick butt you know <laughs> so like i can know when i come out i can kind of rip and shred and be very powerful so as soon as i hit my first note and i bend a note or i have a really powerful chord and then they get the you know then i i usually have a lot of confidence from that and when i was younger i was more nervous but because i'm playing instruments i'm very confident in my playing and so i'm like uh i don't have as much of a problem anymore it's kind of like depends on the audience if they're into it you know yeah but um most of the time you know when people hear stuff that's like really weird and otherworldly you know like nine inch nails or something <laughs> they, they do, you can kind of just shock shock the audience and then you say okay and then you say one guy's doing all this can i use a lot of weird equipment so because that's my whole stage presence is i'm trying to prove that one man band can sound like a full band that's my whole stage show is like i come out there as one guy most of the time and i can sound like I'm like five guys because I got so much stuff going on because I have sequencers and foot pedals and I can just kick all this stuff off and play like live. I'm playing like lead lines and bass lines live or I'll play the drums live. I'll do whatever and then people are just that's that's my whole stick and it's different and because it's different that kind of gives me an advantage and so usually I don't have a problem but yeah that's the short of it. (laughs) Sounds really interesting. It's also because I think it's the same for actors. Um, so I, I, when I act on stage, I'm never nervous. But when I sing, I am nervous. And now I found this thing that I, I just, when I sing, I also have written a character. So that is, it's basically similar to yours. You have all these tools that you use on stage. And then you're like sort of cover, you're covering yourself. And and singers can, I mean, everyone can do that, any artist. Yeah. So, like, if I pretend that I'm somebody else, but the audience obviously doesn't know because it's still my face and still me, but I am just a different character when I'm on stage, and then I get less nervous. And that's really interesting. And I just found out about that a couple of years ago when I was in drama school. And before that, I had no idea. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think Lady Gaga is a really good example of that because she was she's a you know a brilliant musician but when she tried to come out as herself in new york city without the stagecraft she's created she wasn't lady gaga she was her original name and she didn't have all the stage makeup she didn't she had her normal hair she hadn't colored it and she did, couldn't get any traction and then she decided to do a kind of bowie-esque thing like a david bowie thing she created lady gaga which is this other version of herself and yeah, I think when you see like Bowie did the same thing with David Bowie started as David Jones. He went out straight wearing a suit and tie like the Beatles and nobody liked it. Nobody wanted to hear it. But when he went and created this kind of Ziggy Stardust character and he said, well, I'm from outer space and I got the spiders from Mars. He did this whole thing and it was really like theatrical. He was taking like mm-hmm. actor tools and then he kept on doing that his whole life. He could, you know, then do Lad and Saint. He kept on creating characters and he used that kind of mask. And then even if you look at like Prince, I mean, Prince, if you, you see his normal self, he's very shy, very introverted, but his stage self was a different person, kind of like Bowie. 
he he would yeah. different personas for every album. His persona for 1999 is different than his persona for Purple Rain, different for Sire Times, different for Parade. He create characters, versions of of himself. They had to do with yeah. his outfit or the how he was his makeup was that they would present himself in different ways. I think that, like you're saying, is as, as an actor, uh, you can take the theatrical capabilities and add them to your music. And I think all musicians try to get a little theatrical uh, when they get on stage. It's like protection. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, that's so true. So you, as an actor, I haven't really talked about your acting, um, but that is a big part of your profile. So do you want to talk about some of your acting projects as well? Sure, yeah. Um, so um, I started acting around six, seven years ago, and... Um, I mean, I, I was never, I never wanted to be an actress when I was a kid. And this is the interesting part because I, I've always wanted to sing and dance and that was about it. And then I got on this set of this short horror film and it was in a huge castle in Belgium. And I don't know how I got the part because I had zero experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, I, I just auditioned and I got a part and I thought they were crazy because I had zero experience and I didn't know what I was doing. And but it was such an amazing experience that I thought, no, I need to do this now if I want to do this. So I just uh, quit my day job, what I had at the time. And then I just went straight to New York and then I just took some acting classes over there. And then I got into Stella Adler and then I came back here and then I decided to go for a proper drama training school uh, in London. So I was auditioning for about a year until I finally got into a school because it's so hard to get into a proper school. Yeah. And um, the last two years, I've been into uh, lots of short films. Uh, last year, I did my first uh, feature film lead, female lead in a thriller. And so that was very exciting. It was a Dutch film. Awesome. Um, yeah, that was really awesome. It's very different when you're the lead on set and everybody looks at you very differently than when you're... Well, I like you to know. get foreign films. I, I'm a big... I, I, listen, I watch a lot of Hong Kong and Taiwanese films with subtitles um, and some German films and things just because I, I like to get different perspectives. So I might... What's the name of that film? I'll probably check it out. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, I can definitely send you yeah, send me, a part yeah, send me the link, my, yeah, link to it if I can find it and then I'll, I'll go watch Sure, happy to do that. <laughs> um, and push it. Yeah, the cool thing about this um, podcast is I can actually um, attach links. Like I said, your Spotify link and your SoundCloud link can be on the episode. So if you send me any kind of link that has um, a link to where that mo- your movie, uh, your film stuff is, uh, we can add some of that. And regardless of it's in a different language, this this um this podcast is like heard all around the world. So multiple people, not just people in the U.S., listen to it. So you know, you could potentially get other fans involved. Yeah, that's really nice. That's so exciting. Um, yeah, so that's really cool because, like, I, I really think there is a connection between uh, being an actor and being a, a performer. Um, Definitely. And I think that yeah. gives you an asset. It gives you a capability. And, and it's cool that you found that that, that mask. And it does, you know, deal with the, with the issue of being shy or being, like, scared, stage, stage fright. Uh, yeah, as a musician, I mean, there's some musicians I've read about, you know, in their biographies that they had stage fright their whole career, you know, and it was just like the first five seconds of getting on stage was always like traumatic. 
and then they would kind of <laughs> get over it but it was always that way and it's like weird it's like no matter what happened they would always still have that and it kind yeah. of sometimes was would cause a lot of issues for them because they found ways to cope with it that might not be so great um but mm-hmm. yeah it's always been interesting that you know the thing that they love the most also kind of is the thing that could like you know they hate the most <laughs> like you you yeah. love being a performer but you also hate being a performer because it's like it's hurtful initially or it's hard to do but you love it and you're kind of drawn to it but it's like a cycle so it can be kind of interesting when you read about like the industry and how people uh you know like people that you love they listen to you know and you hear their story and it's like wow <laughs> and it's interesting yeah so, but there's definitely a connection. Yes, I, I, I so agree. When, when you're an actor or a singer, I mean, I just prefer to say that I'm an artist yeah. because I, I don't like to. I think a lot of people, a lot of artists will agree with me. I, I just, we, I don't think we really love, you know, putting ourselves into boxes. What do you think? Yeah, I think like, like I like to say I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a musician because uh, that's what I am. But I, I don't like being put into a box in terms of how I uh what genre I'm in because like I, I said yeah. I like I like Johnny Cash I like hip-hop mm-hmm. I like Coltrane I like Sun Ra I like Hendrix like I like a band like Sticks. people always oh, why would you like them <laughs> but um you know I like a lot of different things like my record collection is crazy I have like multiple influences so if somebody said oh you're an EDM DJs like not really you know like, I'm a progressive electronic you know, musician, and I pull from multiple genres, you know, and I, I kind of call my sound expansive sound because my whole, my, my, my sub record label is called expansive sound experiments because what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. is like, I'm an elect- experimental electronic musician, but I expansive is like everything. <laughs> so that's how yeah. I try to label it, you know, within my own sub label to say that it's like, it's open to experimentation and expansiveness, which, you know, expansive means you're not leaving anything out. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. So that, that that's hard today because some people, like, they're in the genre, they're in hip-hop or they're in trap or they're in EDM or they're in side trance and they want to be very specific. And I have mm-hmm. run into artists who's like, oh, I'm a side trance guy. Well, I'm a trance guy. I'm an EDM. I'm a ska. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And that's cool, but, like, you notice... <laughs> That a lot of bands have transformed. You know, like the Clash were a punk rock band, but they took in, you know, hip hop and Caribbean rhythms, African rhythms, and they became more than just a punk rock band. They yeah. became like a very interesting punk rock band that brought in other types of genres that expanded their sound. They weren't stuck in just punk rock. Um, and so that I think is kind of like a lesson when you're like an artist. You see that with some of the hip-hop artists today, like Kendrick Lamar. He takes a lot of jazz influences, uh, a lot of, you know, he has a live band on stage. As a hip-hop, he's not just using his DJs. He actually has live bass players and drummers and guitar players because he's expanding what hip-hop can do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's yep. kind of like the future of music is like cross-genre, you know, and acting and capabilities to kind of bring that stage yes yeah. yeah absolutely love that yep yeah i'm always like i think lady gaga is really like she's really like the, the kind of vision i see like after bowie you see people doing that and kind of like what freddie mercury used to do 
you know, Freddie Mercury from Queen, he just had that presence that was like bigger than life. And yeah, yeah, you, you, when you see that, that, that George Michael did that too. He had that kind of stage presence. Um, that's always interesting to me when people do that because they really bring the show. You know, if you go to see somebody, sometimes you don't want to see like, <laughs> like an old school 1970s band. Like Pink Floyd are great and they're great musicians, but they wouldn't really move around. <laughs> but the whole thing was really the music and so they didn't really have to perform and i guess you know it didn't matter because they're, they're great musicians but they didn't really bring like performance to the to the to the stage it was like it was the music and that's it's just the music and that's cool yeah but some people want to see a little more than that <laughs> yeah no that's that's yeah i would totally agree with that so um, have you thought about collaborating with other musicians? I know you work with producers and things, but have you done like collaborations where you have like a co-vocal with another musician, like on a pro- one of your projects? I know you worked on some other, other people's projects. Are you thinking of having like people featured on your next project or where you primarily want to focus like just your voice or would you bring other people in on your uh, like an album? Yeah, I do. I'm still looking. I, I am definitely open to suggestions and I'm, I'm looking, I'm always looking for great artists to work with um, that would suit my songs and um, also open to yeah, writing together and producing it together. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm still looking for my new, for my new EP. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if people get very excited after this interview then feel free to get in touch with me that's cool yeah i think that's that i've done a bunch of collaborations which is interesting i did like a, a collaboration with a band from new york city called Lonnie claire and they had all these guitar and bass and drum tracks with no vocals hmm. and then what what they said well we like what you do you're doing with um a character i created was josephine electric josephine electric is the lead singer a family electric ghost but she's she's me i use like vocal transformers from roland to create this female persona and they said they liked it and so they wanted me to put josephine electric on their tracks so i got all these tracks from them there were all these guitar bass and drum tracks and then they put josephine on it, and they said well we like your keyboard work too so then i put some moog stuff on it and we did this we worked on it for a couple months and we put it out um yeah, so I mean, it's, it's interesting. I never ever really physically met them though. They're in New York, and we just stayed in our home studios, and we did it through the like Skype. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> and we sent files back and forth through Google Drive and stuff. And um, yeah, but these things happen more and more, even with like established and like famous artists. Like sometimes they do duets, and they have never seen each other. Like they didn't record the song together actually in the studio, but they just, you know, the the editors and the producers, they just fix the voices and they all got, yeah. you know, mixed and mastered and they never saw each other. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually working on a collaboration with one of the people I interviewed a couple months ago. Um, and we're, we're, I sent, I sent, I'm not going to reveal who it is, but we're still working on it. It's going to take a couple months. But I sent, you know, we, we had a pretty good vibe and, and uh, she liked what I was doing. So I sent her some Moog tracks, some modular synth stuff that was kind of weird. And um, she's working on it a couple of months. She's going to, you know, send me what she is interpreted from it. And I said, we well, just interpret it the way you want to. You know, I, I just created these tracks. I would do something different if I was going to do the whole thing. 
as I want to hear what you're going to do with it and you just do whatever you want. Um, and I think that's really cool because, uh, you know, it's just, you, it's interesting to see what somebody does with your music. Like you might do something totally different when you like, if you have like, some tracks and then you do your vocal on them, like compared to another singer songwriter, they might hear something different and take it in a different way. And that's, that's what you want, you know, uh, when you're doing a collab, it's like, I don't, I don't want to control what the other person is doing. I'm like, like just kind of take the feel and see what you come get with it. What you do. Yep. But, um, yeah, I mean, I used to play with, you know, people would come into my home studio or I go to their practice place and I play with a drummer or a guitar player. And it's still something really cool about if you're, you know, a musician playing with another musician, but it's like a drummer. Because mm-hmm. I, I do my drum track with drum machines. But if I go to a, to a drummer studio and I play with a real drummer, real drummers are just unbelievable. I, I, I love playing with like acoustic drummers because they bring something to you. You could have a chord arrangement and then the drummer interprets it. And then I actually end up changing my arrangement because of what they can do. Um, like a professional drummer, just they're, they're, I always recommend if you could ever play with a real professional drummer, it changes your track so significantly that it's uh it's worth it's very worthwhile experience yeah i agree um so what do you think about the future of music in general like because the streaming services and social media you know we don't have to go through the studio system there's no gate um but our compensation people can argue about how we get paid for streaming uh, it seems mm-hmm. like we have to come up with other ways of actually making money as musicians (laughs) yeah i think it's uh quite shit at the moment excuse my friends but uh (laughs) yeah i mean even the i have a friend at sony music here um in the uk and even he said it he was like you know nowadays like if you're an artist you don't you just do it because you love it because you're not going to get a lot of money out of it that's just the truth unless you're a big artist and we all want the same thing but um there's also a lot of artists that don't want to get signed at major labels and they still want to do everything themselves. And that's possible. I think everything is possible, but in the beginning, it's just really, really, yeah, it's just no or little money. And as you know, from streaming, you're not going to get a lot out of that. No, and, <laughs> you can do yeah. a million streams and you don't make what you made 20 years ago from album sales, you know? Even like, yeah, even 45 single sales, you would make so much more money uh, Mm -hmm. than you do. You could, if you sold a million 45s, you'd be, you know, pretty well off. Um, But if today, if you sell a million streams, you don't get anywhere near what you you would get. And and I, I just don't like it that, you know, artists always need to be like, you know, having all sorts of jobs just to get, you know, to pay the rent and, and at the same time, they're an artist, but like it's it's like your alter ego or something. You have so many personalities. Like you have your day job hat on, and then all of a yes. sudden you're you're your alter ego on stage, and then you're re- recording at home, writing a song with somebody else. It's just uh, you know, it's also a bit. Um, I mean, I do it because I really love it. But I also know artists that are getting really tired, and I think if you're getting tired of it, then it's it's not for you anymore, I think, because this is just part of the deal, unfortunately. Yeah, and... I find, yeah. I mean, I find the only way to make money is the physical shows. Like, if I do a show in New York, I make more money 
than I do from streaming like all year, you know, wow. you know, I, 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 yeah. if I go to a physical show and I bring a t-shirt, mm-hmm. a person will buy my t-shirt more than they would buy my CD, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's always like, okay, so they'd rather buy a button or a t-shirt or a poster and they'll spend $10, $20 on, on a t-shirt, but they won't spend $9 on a, on a CD or they won't, pay for the download but they'll buy the physical merch and that's something that is fine that's how it works but it's just interesting that the value the valuation of your music is like beneath the value of your t-shirt and and that that to me is like you know people need to understand musicians that's our art you know and if people mm-hmm. pay fifty dollars for a video game they can't pay ten dollars for an artist's album so I think yeah. I think there needs to be an understanding. The artist, if you like that musician, you should buy their material like you buy that PlayStation game. <laughs> yeah, because artists feel less appreciated, like exactly with what you just said. Like people would buy your T-shirt, but not, you know, your your new songs. And it's very disappointing. But I, I've thought about it, and maybe it's because songs are so short and you just listen to them and then you just listen over and over and over and over until you're tired of listening to the song. Whereas a movie, I mean, movies have the same issue, by the way. But like when you're making a movie for Paramount Pictures or Universal Pictures, it's it's protected. It's yeah. just like the major record labels, they're protecting, you know, the project. And they make sure that it's not online nowhere until it's out in cinemas. Um, but if you if you don't have that budget as a filmmaker, it's the same as for for an artist, for an unsigned artist. You make your own film for like ten to twenty k or something, and then you need to put your film out there. And then it's the same thing. People want to watch it on Vimeo and on YouTube, and that's just like such such. I mean, it's so disappointing because you don't want your film to be on YouTube. It's not yeah, like yeah. a free yeah. a free yeah. thing to watch. And uh, but I think. Maybe it will change in the future, um, but I think new things will have to, it will definitely not go back to the old way for sure, but I think new things will come. And I think it will, a big part of that will be, just, like you said, merchandising. So you just need look- to make sure you have all sorts of teacups and t-shirts and caps with your name on it and then yeah. people will buy them. <laughs> Yeah, because what I found is I was actually, because I'm in, I'm in IT, like, that's how I can buy my Moogs and stuff. I'm, a, I'm a, like a technical information technology guy. He's my day job. And mm-hmm. that's a good job if you want to buy Moogs and Rollins because they cost so much money. You better have something. Um, so um, the one thing I was talking to some guys that actually are like video game developers, and they were looking for for music to go with their games and i'm like so that's that's another avenue i'm getting into because like what i said people are willing to spend like 50 60 dollars for a video game and if you can get your music into a video game you can get a higher royalty rate than than you can get from the record streaming services because they're making more money um Mm -hmm. And so, like, people are willing to pay $50, and you get a piece of that $50, and it's a lot higher rate than you get from your album. Um, and so that's, you know, it's, it, you got to find different places. Like, I've found, you know, ways to get music into, like, advertising and TV and film and background for, you know, 
you just got to find ways to replacement. So we like, yeah. So as like being an electronic musician, I could do a thirty second pad on my Roland that's used for some background in a commercial, and you can make more money on that, but nobody knows that I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the problem like as a musician you got an ego like you know i, I want fam electric ghost to be known for that but like no my regular name is known for that and nobody knows i did it um yeah so so sometimes it's okay well that pays the bills but it doesn't satisfy the artistic heart you know and and that's where i think it would be nice if the industry would would you know offer people a, you know paths for these types of things but a lot of times we have to find it ourselves which is like fine if you're indie i guess you got to find it yourself but um i just think the future might be finding a way to get into all these technologies and and uh, get music to be valued again at a certain level and, and work out contracts where we actually get the you know an, an appropriate value for what we're doing yeah i think all artists want that yeah, I think that's the big fight is to make sure that we don't get, you know, stuck at 0. 0.006 of a penny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> On everything we do, they, they, we get our, our rate back up to like, you know, I, I get yeah. 99 cents out of $10 or I get $4 out of $10. Yeah, know? it's so shit. And a lot of artists will just give up and that's such a shame. But I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, how else are you going to, like, what if you, what if you're going to get children? I mean... Life is expensive, so yeah. I don't think it's for everyone. And then after 10 years, most artists give up or they just take it down a notch and then see it as a hobby. Yeah, well, I think what's cool, I've noticed, and I was talking to the last artist I interviewed, had a collect as a collective in New York City of like indie kind of alternative rockers. And alternative rock is kind of taking a big hit in this age of DJs and EDM. But what they found is like they created this collective of alternative rock oriented music, which is not super popular as much anymore. But the collective does a lot of shows in New York area and they actually make money from doing their shows. And um, then it, it gives like a because all these bands got together, they can kind of go from club to club to club with like this big rolling group of multiple artists that play the whole show, the club that night, they go to a, sh to a venue and then they, pl they have all the bands playing that night and then everybody gets a piece of the price. And mm -hmm. that, that tends to be more lucrative than, than just doing the CDs and, I mean, or trying to get your music on the web. That's cool. I mean, it's kind of like the radio, like Spotify is like the radio. People find out about you, but when they go to the show, that's how you get paid. Um, yeah. And that's where I'm, I'm looking into seeing if I can get into some of these collectors because that's really where some of the money is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we don't have to laugh about it. I think we all want to make money, right? So, yeah. I mean, there are artists that say, and actors the same, I mean, actors, they're the same, but usually actors from what I hear, um, they're like, no, we just want to, we, we just do it because we love it. And then there's the actors, they really have a career plan in their, in their head. So, mm -hmm. Like you don't do all films, you don't do all theater productions because you have this career path planned and um, not everything will go your way. But like if 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 let's say you're you're been offered this role on this production, but it's really not really good for your career because you want to get into film. But this is theater. Then you don't do it, obviously. And then there's the type of artist that will do anything and they don't mind 
not mm-hmm. getting paid or getting paid a little bit and they just do it because they love it but i think also because they don't really need the money yeah you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah you kind of, like, like you, you do the art like I, I write because i write you know whether or not somebody's gonna like it you know sometimes they like it or they don't i kind of write a song because i'm feeling it i don't write a song mm-hmm. for it to be on the top 100 you know if it ends up going somewhere that's cool but I didn't my, my I didn't plan this to be a pop hit. I'm not designing pop hits. I'm not a pop artist. I'm more of an experimental artist. And mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a smaller pool of people that are gonna listen to me from the from the get go because mm-hmm. I'm doing something, you know, I'm doing seven minute songs or six minute songs and people want two minute songs. So that puts mm-hmm. you in a totally different category, like, well, you know, they're not gonna listen to that. Um so, so you, you know what you're doing, but like when I go to do live performance, there's a fan that likes the fact that I do a six minute song because they want to see something that's more like jazz. You know, they want to see something that's like performed mm-hmm. and doing, you know, six minute songs are kind of like what the Almonds did, what, you know, a lot of big classic rockers, yes, did, you know, people, Genesis, that's the kind of performance trend I'm in. And that's, there's still people that want to see that kind of thing. Um, and so, that's the niche I'm in. And I kind of know that's where I, I kind of live. Um, and so it's only going to get so far in certain venues and certain places that will do better than others. I think that's what you know as an artist. You kind of, you know, you know unless you just say, well, I'm going to craft that two-minute song because I want to get that audience. Um, which I guess I could sit down and try to craft that, but it's like not my first, like, inclination. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so it's like so. If you have uh, when you're closer to your next project for 2020, what we tend to do on this show is um, we've done um, album reviews for different artists. Like when they have um, an album, we'll go track by track and do a release party kind of show, and oh, talk, wow. about, talk about the whole record. And uh, I know like your latest um, music, like your newest song for 2019, is "Don't Hold Back." So maybe like can talk about like how what that song is about for you, because everybody interprets songs the way you know the, the audience interprets what, what they think it's about. But I'm going to ask you like what what is it about from your perspective like when you wrote it? Um, well, it's uh, well we I wrote it together with uh, with another songwriter. It's it's basically about um, like you know when you're really into someone, but the other person is. Just, so like hard to read and and it's just, just like am I wasting my time here what am I doing here or, or should I continue with this and, and like I've I've given so many hints and is he still not getting it and you know it's it's basically about that that stage of being really insecure and like even the most confident people on this planet have the same issue and it's it's just really about like please just show yourself and yeah. let me know and, and just tell me directly in my face what you want. And that's what it was about. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. A lot of times, like, like you can be the most confident person in the world, but there's this one person that can kind of bring you weak to your knees. And there's like, and people will be surprised like that you could be attracted to somebody that really doesn't have that level of a uh, feeling for you. And then yeah. you end up being kind of vulnerable. They yet put yourself, mm-hmm. you, the vulnerability shows up, and people will be surprised. There's certain certain folks, if you get in the same 
like space with somebody, they can kind of have a good or bad effect. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, and some kinds of love, there's some loves that like there are some loves that you shouldn't be attracted to. Yeah, you know, like I have a an album I've been working on called Dark Ghost, and I had this kind of like the idea like there's some people that you shouldn't move toward because if you move toward them, it kind of brings you into the darkness rather than the light, and you can feel like love for that person, but it's like a bad kind of love because it doesn't mm. make you feel better. It actually <laughs> brings you brings you down. Like you can be very like falling in love with somebody but they really hurt your soul they don't help you they kind of don't prop you up they don't make you like feel like you're you're winning they don't bring you into the light they kind of bring you into the darkness and yeah and and i think that that's that's an interesting idea and i kind of been focusing on that for my next album called dark ghost and it's this idea that you kind of get pulled into this like bad place and, yeah. it, and, and when you look into, I think these ideas like the looking glass, and mm-hmm. part of the idea is like, well, it's it's part of you that's doing that. It's not the other person. Like the whole end up of my concept is like, you could actually try to say it's the other person that did it, but if you look in the mirror, it's like there's something in yourself that did it. And that's, that's the kind of ideas I like to play with. But yeah, it's very dark. But please yeah, do it. I'd love to hear it. When yeah, it's, it's different. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you kind of brought me into it when you were talking about that because it's kind of you got a piece of what I was I'm working on and what you were talking about. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so it would be great to have you on again. <clears throat> yeah, me, thank you. In 2020, and what's going to happen with this episode? As soon as we finish, I go through, I do some editing, and then it starts to go out to all the 11 platforms. I will send you the links to some of the most popular platforms. And then you can just send them to anybody you want. With, oh, that's nice. And the cool thing about Instagram is Instagram has a, um, a connect. Well, they have a capability where um, there's an integration between Instagram and Spotify. And so this podcast can actually be put up as a highlight on your Instagram. So, cool. And, and, and you can do a direct see, link. <laughs> so people can also see my Instagram account. Can they look me up? Yeah, when well, they well, what will happen is that the, if you, I will create a highlight on my Instagram that will bring you right to the, the Spotify okay. version on um, the Spotify episode that we're talking about right now. So this episode will be on Spotify <clears throat> and I can create a highlight that when somebody clicks it, it'll bring them right to Spotify and it'll bring them right to this episode. And then when oh, they great. get into this episode, this episode it will have a link to your Spotify music. And then Exciting. you can click, click onto your music. So it's a way of integrating all that, which is yeah, sure. It's pretty great. Cool. Um, thank you so much. Just make sure you send me to send me the link uh, when you're well, finished. Yeah, you'll get it within the next hour. It takes a little bit to propagate, and I have to do some things to set it up, but it will come out. And so I hope all your fans uh, are worldwide, and you get more fans worldwide because of this episode. We'll click thank on you, the links to your Spotify and and download your music and look you up and actually you know go out to all the platforms that your music is on and support mm-hmm. you as an artist and you know that's that's what all artists are looking for you know please um you know support the artists you love by you know downloading and mm-hmm. streaming and if you find places where you can buy um it snows recordings you should buy them. 
<laughs> Great. Thank you so much. You Thanks too. so much. Thank you very much for being on the show, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks. Yes, for sure. Have a nice day. Okay, Thank bye. you. Bye-bye.